Truth Still Matters, episode number 18. Come one, come all. Welcome to the Catholic Podcast. Truth Still Matters. The human person is made for truth. Despite this dictatorship of relativism, we breathe every day. This podcast exists in the stream of the new evangelization championed by Pope John Paul the Great and continued with Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI and Pope Francis. We will have the opportunity to learn and reflect on the timeless truths revealed by God and deposited in the Catholic Church. If you're looking for apologetics or theology that can be applied to your life right now, you've found a new home. Stop drowning in the world of opinion and embrace yourselves for truth still matters. We made it back for another episode of Truth Still Matters. Remember, you can access us via www.hubertsanders.com. You can also get to us through www.truthstillmatters.net. And remember to leave a positive comment and pass the word along that you and I might be participators, cooperators in the building of the kingdom. I'm excited about this episode. Today's show will focus on God's work in me. Are you ready? My story begins on April 26, 1974. By God's grace, I was born. And that was right after the Roe v. Wade decision. And I'm so glad that my mom didn't exercise her choice. Because <laughs> if she did, I wouldn't be here before you today. Um, but thank God. And my journey started then. Um, God brings us into this world, calling us into a relationship with him. Even if we're not aware of it. <laughs> he is, he's after us. <laughs> he wants us. Uh, to reach out to him and he's nurturing us the entire time even if we're unaware even if we can't talk he's calling us to himself and I was I had the blessing of being raised by two fervent Christians mom and dad and they're still married today and one thing my sister and I, I have a younger sister one thing my sister and I learned is that Jesus is real there's no doubt about it Jesus is not like Santa Claus Jesus is not like the Easter Bunny Jesus is real he's alive and he wants to have a personal relationship with you we heard this every day now this personal relationship was disconnected from the Catholic Church I'm gonna be honest um, we had emphasis on Jesus um, but the connection to the church was minimal okay we went to Catholic grade school we went to Catholic high school but that was just a place where we received good academic training okay yes it was nice that we went to mass but uh, the, the, the teaching was Jesus you know was centered in Jesus which is a very good thing okay don't get me wrong a very good thing and I knew 
from a personal experience, not just from what my mom and dad told me that Jesus was real. I can remember when I was eight or nine sitting in the living room floor and I saw a shiny penny. And the penny was one of those new pennies, you know, that nice gold shine. And I thought, man, I bet you that penny tastes like a Jolly Rancher. That was one of my favorite candies. And I thought, hmm, only way to find out is to put it in my mouth. So I picked up the shiny penny and I put it in my mouth. Didn't taste like a Jolly Rancher, but then I thought, hmm, it's just in my mouth. If I swallow it, maybe it'll taste like a Jolly Rancher. Then I thought about what mom and dad say. Mom and dad say, don't swallow pennies. I thought, eh, I better not do that. But they tell you not to swallow gum too. And what happens if you accidentally swallow gum? Nothing. I said, nah, I'll go for it. So I swallowed the penny. It got stuck in my air pipe. And I didn't panic at first. I just gave a nice cough. <coughs> It was still stuck. I couldn't breathe. Still didn't panic. I just got up from the floor, living room floor, and began to give a heavier cough. <coughs> still no change. Now I begin to panic. I motion to my mom. I let her know that I can't breathe. The penny is stuck in my throat. She calls out to my dad. My dad rushes down to the living room, runs down the stairs. My dad was not familiar with the Heimlich Maneuver, so, no joke, he turns me over by my ankles and he's shaking me. I'm not joking. <laughs> so I'm dangling. I'm dangling like this. Oh, oh, oh. And he just, oh, oh, oh. and he's praying. He's all in the name of Jesus, save my son. And he's, he's fervent in his prayer. And he's praying for deliverance. And nothing is happening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just, uh, my mouth is, is drying out and nothing is happening. And he says, Mike, he calls me Mike. It's my middle name. Mike, you say, Jesus, help me. And I'm thinking in my mind, how in the world will I say, Jesus, help me? I can't even breathe. You kidding me? Well, I don't have anything to lose, right? So I couldn't even, at this point, I couldn't even say anything. I just mouthed the words, Jesus, help me. And I didn't feel anything. I saw a penny, though, on the ground. I didn't know if that was my penny. I thought there's only one way to know if that was my penny. Try to breathe. And I took a breath in. Oh, it was my penny. Praise the Lord. It was my penny. I knew that Jesus was real. I was saved literally at his precious name. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is no doubt about it. I wouldn't be here had it not been for his name. I can't tell you what happened before that event. I can't tell you what happened after that. Was I a holy child after that? No, no. I took it for granted. I went on with life and, and, and continued to mess up as I always do, you know. But from that early point, I knew that Jesus was real. You know, I knew that in a pinch I could go to him. Unfortunately, it didn't establish a personal relationship. I took advantage. I went away. I went away. I would come back when I would get in the jam, but then would go away. And I went to Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, Catholic college. But personally, I was not attentive to their Catholic identity at all. Those were just good institutions where I was well prepared to move on to the next level in education. That's all it was to me. You know, it could have been a chartered school, private school, Catholic school, whatever. Whoever has the best academics, that's where I wanted to be. That's where my parents wanted me to be. Period. 
But despite my inattentiveness, God was working something <laughs> out. And that's what he always does. We're always under his providence. Whether we get it or not, he's calling us home every day, every second. I met my wife down at Xavier University of Louisiana in New Orleans. And she was raised Catholic too, and we would go to mass. Uh, and I went to mass simply to avoid being homesick. But I really didn't start taking the faith seriously. You know, Monica and I, we fell in love down south and we traveled back up north. And she went to grad school and, and I, I picked up a, a part-time accounting job and began to go full-time into accounting. And by God's grace, we got married in uh, June, June 26, 1999, got married. And my dad mentioned something to me at the reception after the wedding as we were leaving that night. He said, Mike, take care of your wife. Very simple statement, but it rang right to my very soul. It struck a chord with me because I had never, up, up to that point, I had never been responsible for another human being. And when he said, Mike, take care of your wife, I thought, whoa, I've got to make decisions and I can't shoot from the hip on these decisions. They're going to affect Monica. They're going to affect us. And there wasn't an overnight change, but that began to plant the seed of a personal conversion that would slowly develop. Monica was awakened to want to dive into scripture. And at the time we couldn't find Catholic Bible studies. So we found up went to a Protestant Bible study. I didn't go for the right reasons. I wanted to go to be with Monica and I wanted the Bible study to hurry up and get done so that I could go home and watch the Pistons. That's where I was, just being honest. But one night we were reading through the book of Daniel and I had a Catholic Bible and everyone else had a Protestant Bible. At the time, I didn't know the difference. We were reading in the book of Daniel and we were reading and at one point I got lost, picked up with the, where they were on the next page. And I said, whoa, I looked around, no one else is lost. Why, why did Brother Joe, for the sake of anonymity, why did Brother Joe skip this section here? So I go up to Brother Joe and um, I ask him about it, he doesn't know. I don't know either, and that started a journey for me. I wanted to find out. I wanted to get answers to that. And simultaneously, I was working um, for a recycling company, and I had a, a supervisor who was a Bible Christian, you could say. She was raised a Catholic, but um, she was now worshiping in a Bible kind of church, non-denominational. And she would ask me honest, sincere questions about my Catholic faith that I had no idea of the answers to. Now, why do Catholics pray to saints? Why do, you know, how come we just can't go straight to Jesus? Or why do Catholics do this? And why do Catholics do that? And I got tired of looking stupid. So I wanted to defend myself. So I went to the internet and literally typed in, I need Catholic answers. And that's when the nonprofit organization in San Diego popped up and it is a great resource, catholic.com. But it's entitled Catholic Answers, and I began to feed off of that website. I began to get a knowledge, and I began to, to give answers to my supervisor. Not only give answers, but I began to challenge her. And guys and girls, it wasn't the best of motivations. I wanted to win a fight. I probably chased a lot of people away from the kingdom by trying to win fights. It wasn't the best motivation, but God will start, will work with you where you're at, and that's where I was. I was into... Not looking stupid and winning fights, okay? Arguments. 
But slowly but surely, that head knowledge began to travel and I began to want to know more and more of what the church taught because I was convicted by God's grace that this church is intimately united with Christ and it is through her that I could touch Jesus, that I could have that personal relationship with Jesus. You know, I had heard about the realness of Jesus all my life, but this was one way that God was revealing to me that I could relate through tangible means. I didn't have to make up my faith in my head. I could be united to his bride. I could be a part of his bride, a part of his body, the mystical body of Christ, the Catholic Church. And my wife and I began to grow in our relationship. We began to grow in our, our spirituality with Christ and being open to the Holy Spirit and being active to the fullness of the faith given in the Catholic Church. And we just, oh, we ate the teaching up and we got to a point where we got to the sexual teaching. <laughs> We had no idea about the church's teaching on contraception. That took us for a loop. <laughs> and we thought, wait a minute, is this infallible teaching? Whoa, is, is this real? <laughs> is this, is, or is it someone's opinion? To make a long story short, it goes back to Jesus. We had to submit. I don't have time to go through that whole submission process. God worked a miracle in both of us. We ended up submitting to the church's teaching. And that brought us closer to Jesus. And that brought us closer to one another. But um, it was not a smooth journey. Trust me, that was our first big fight as a married couple about contraception. But, and God began to open up doors. I entered the seminary, got my master's in uh, theology, and this didn't happen overnight. This was over a 10, 12 year period where Monica and I are having babies and our family is growing and I'm working full time and I'm going to school and, and growing in the faith and we're going to Bible studies and I'm taking in these classes one or two in the evening per semester and and, uh, and, and God opens the door. He closes one door. I, was, I moved out of the accounting arena and he opened up another door in teaching and I found out that teaching was the reason why I was born. <laughs> and I began to teach at Catholic high schools and it just, and I continue to grow. I continue to grow. The realness of God, especially in times of trouble, is amazing. Many of you know that I lost my wife, Monica, in February 13th. Uh, 2014 and my life has been turned upside down and it has not been easy I've, I've struggled um, I'm questioning uh, why this had to happen and and just but you know what God's been with me the whole time even though I've been running away even though I've been fighting I've been fighting accepting life on life's terms I really have but God continues to hold me, to sustain me, even when I'm kicking and screaming. And he gave me an insight a couple nights ago that I want to share with you. Monica always knew that I had a gift to be open to God's grace and his faith as revealed through dogma and doctrine. I eat that stuff up. I eat theology up. But she would always say, that's only part of it. You've got to let that head knowledge travel to your heart. Once it travels to your heart, then you get it. And she would always say, Hubert, you don't get it. You get it, but you don't get it. 
and she would get angry with me. She would always be patient, but she would always challenge me. And one time she said, what's it going to take for you to get it? For me to die? Am I going to have to die for you to get it? And I would always blow her off. And she always said that. She always said that. And now that she's gone, I don't have anywhere to go. He is my only hope now. He is my only source of salvation, my only source of peace. And Monica's words are still ringing in my head. What am I going to have to do for you to get it? Am I going to have to die? And then it clicked. No, God doesn't will the death of anyone. Death is not of God. Death was brought in by original sin. And the appropriate response to death is to grieve and to not like it. But Jesus' death and resurrection tells us that death doesn't have the last say. That it can be used as a stepping stone to greater glory. And Monica's death, I think God is telling me that I can turn it into a gift that she's given to me, which enables me to take my faith more serious. That's what it had to take. That's what it took for me to begin to live what I intellectually know about. For to travel to my heart that I might meet Christ in a new way. And this is a gift given to me by my wife in her death. I'm still absorbing that. It hasn't. I'm not running with that just yet. But it sure, it surely makes a lot of sense. She always was dedicated to me and serving me that I might get to heaven. And she did it even in her dying breath. My faith journey continues and I hope my sharing of my story encourages you to keep on keeping on wherever you're at. God's not through with you. God's not through with me. May God bless and keep you all the days of your life. Amen.
your breath.